celebrate what Jesus is doing throughout the nation and rise up to answer His call on your life. To serve the poor, heal the broken, free the captives, and bring joy to those in need. Find hope, encouragement, and motivation through Overcomers TV. This inspiring network features everyday people and ministries across America who are putting God's love in action. Tune in to Overcomers TV on your favorite app or streaming platform. It's time to overcome. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Overcomers TV Live. I'm Pastor Chuck. I have the joy and the honor to bring to you and the rest of the world, our ministry partners, our friends. Pastor Tim Lane is our next guest, Union Gospel Mission in Sacramento. Pastor Tim, thanks for jumping on. Oh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, this is great. There's a lot of work to do, especially in today's economy. Uh, We've been talking for years about doing uh, documentaries, and now we have the tools and technology to bring you in from anywhere. And uh, four years ago, we launched Overcomers TV to get away from religious symbols because the whole world is tired of us preaching at them. But, you know, we're showing the love of Christ in word and deed. First John 5, 4 says, whoever's born of God overcomes. And this is the victory that we have over the world is our faith. Let's start with your faith journey. When and how did Jesus become real to you and eventually lead into a life of ministry? Well, uh, I had gotten married uh, many years ago. Matter of fact, my wife went home to be with the Lord a few years ago, but we were married 47 years. When I was wow. 28 years old, I heard God's voice, not audibly, but I knew that he was calling me to something better, and that better was salvation. In a small Baptist church, uh, that's where I first met Christ. I, I thought I knew him all those years, but like so many people, because I was born in the United States and we went to uh, services on Christmas and Easter. I thought I was a believer, but I was not. After doing that, I joined the church, and from there it was uh, an amazing journey into the ministry and then finally into the Union Gospel Mission. Yeah. Amen. A lot of details along the way, but uh, at the end of the day, we were just talking about Ephesians 2.10. You know, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works now that we're saved by grace, you know, that he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So uh, he reveals it as you go. Right. Faith, step by step, faith by faith. Amen. That's exactly true. I think so oftentimes we forget that we are saved unto good works, that we're saved to bring glory to God. The chief end of man is to glorify God. I think we forget that sometimes. I know that I would like to tell you I never forgot that. But over the the walk of the last 40-something years, uh, there's been times that, you know, you're just not putting 100% into what you're doing. But fortunately, as you said, the grace of God is able to overcome my weaknesses. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's huge. And uh, so let's talk a little bit about your role, your involvement there at uh, Union Gospel Mission in Sacramento. Well, about 18 years ago, I was uh, given a call. I had volunteered here for years and years, bringing a church down, delivering a message, uh, bringing a testimony, all those type of things. And uh, 18 years ago, they gave me a call. I was a bivocational pastor. And they gave me a call and they said, look, we know about you. We know about your years coming down here. 
would you be interested in interviewing with us to be the executive director? So I said, I'd pray about it, and they did too. And so 18 years ago, they gave me a call and said after the interview, which, by the way, I told them in the interview, listen, there's got to be 10,000 men more qualified to be the director of the Union Gospel Mission than am I. And uh, I, I love you guys, but I want you to know if, if there's one single doubt about me being the guy, let's assume God is not in this. Uh, there was a professor at Liberty University who said, you need to know if you're called that your congregation needs to have a perfect piece about you coming and you need to have a perfect piece about going. Yeah. So I applied that to this as well. And I told him, seriously, guys, if God isn't in this, I don't want to be there. Yeah. Uh, they called me and I asked them. They said, yep, we believe you are the guy and that God sent you there. And so I've been here 18 years. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and there's a lot of work to do for sure. Um, you know, and I know every ministry has what we call a vision statement, a mission statement. I always like to ask it, what's the heartbeat around there? What is the heart of it? The heartbeat of the ministry, yeah. The heartbeat of the mission is, you know, people ask me all the time, what do we do about the homeless situation? And so we feed probably 8,200 meals a month to the homeless. We clothe them. We have showers. We have uh, beds for them overnight. But I would say that the heartbeat of the mission is to glorify God. And I'm not trying to sound like a broken record, but the bottom line is I think we so often in ministry forget that that is our purpose. Right. We have 20 men, 24 men that live with us on our drug and alcohol rehabilitation. It's not just drugs and alcohol. It's a new life program because that's exactly what we're hoping for. What we want to do is still feed, clothe, house, do all those things. But with our 24 men, we want them to really understand what the walk of Christ is like. Yeah. In addition, we have a, a nightly service. We don't take any government money. So that way we can, uh, we can really serve God. We can really talk about the gospel and not be hindered by anything else. And so what do we do about the homeless? Well, you're never going to end homelessness you, unless you mandate it and force it. You'll never end it. But what we can do is we can take men, women. Right now, we can only take men on our program. But we can take those men. We can give them hope. We can give them the understanding of what it is to serve God. And the minute that they become a true believer in Christ, then what are they going to do? They're going to be off the streets, out of the doorways, and they're not going to be panhandling. They're going to be serving. They're going to be productive members of our society. So the heartbeat is Christ. Amen to that. I'm just noticing your zip code, uh, 95811, right? 95811, our zip code, yeah. Yeah, that's really cool because, yeah, even on Overcomers, um, on our channel, Overcomers TV Live, uh, you're going to have your interview will be under our shows under Overcomers TV Live. You'll be right there at the top when we're done. You're number 250, by the way. Let the record show. But we also, you know, have a Celebrate Recovery uh, program. A lot of people are familiar with 12 Steps, but the Christ-centered version. And then Mike Lindell, the Lindell Recovery Network as well. 
Uh, he had a 20-year cocaine addiction, nine-year crack addiction. He just celebrated 14 years clean. And he calls it quote matches. People have been there, done that. Same age, same drug of choice. You can put in your age and your drug, alcohol, cocaine, ecstasy, gambling, heroin, marijuana, meth, sex, porn, and see hundreds of people who've been there before you hate what they hate about their addiction. But if you watch a simple video at the beginning, we have the Hope Report. We may want to get you on this show, too, with Melissa and Jason. Um, Because, again, you know, it's not always addiction that brings to people the homeless, and I'm sure... We'll talk a little bit more about that, but it is a big hole in the boat in our country, uh, especially with uh, Oxycontin and all that. But when people sign in and they get addiction, go to addiction help, there's more inspirational stories of hope. But under option B, if they put in nine, five, eight, you should see some teen challenges and it is Sacramento Crisis Center. Well, we got to get you in here under the treatment centers. So I'm going to email. Uh, yeah, it's a bunch of teen challenges, but I'm surprised the gospel mission that they did a really good job last couple of years, putting different gospel mission, Salvation Army. and But the Union Gospel Mission of Sacramento needs to be in here. So do I have your permission to let them know? Is that a rhetorical question? Yeah, the whole world needs to know about what you guys are doing there, right? For sure. Yeah. But it's not always addiction that leads to homelessness. Is that the, nope. st- is that the, the stigma or maybe a, a misconception? Yeah, it, it is a huge misconception. There are a lot of things besides the point that there are many things that could fall under the uh, category of addiction. But the primary thing that causes homelessness is not just that people lose a job or whatever. A lot of times it's they lose hope. They can lose a family, they can lose a job, they can do these things, they can just give up. Christ is the hope for all of us. I I wanted to tell you that we don't use the the 12-step program. We used to. We have everything rewritten. We are, I have neuthetic counselors, our biblically trained counselors, and we have rewritten our program to be completely Christ-centric. And so, uh, what puts a person out on the street? A myriad of things can happen to a person. Uh, but there's always a way out of that as well. But most people who just give up just resign themselves to being out on the street. And sometimes they don't start off with an addiction, but they go ahead and they start to use drugs or alcohol to mitigate the pain that they feel. Uh, guys have asked me, well, Pastor, were you ever addicted to anything? And I said, yeah, I was addicted to stupid. And that was really true. Uh, I resisted the Lord's calling for years and years. And, yeah. You know, if you if you wind up in hell, it doesn't really matter what your addiction was or why you're there, excepting that you didn't have the opportunity to come to Christ. Right. Yeah, exactly. I beat that drum all day long. A lot of people think it's a performance test. Oh, you're going to hell for doing that. You don't go to hell for doing anything. You go to hell except rejecting Christ, rejecting God, his relationship, his offer for grace and forgiveness and a relationship. If you're not interested in them them here and you don't want to have anything to do with them here, then you go into eternity without them. It's, you know, it's simple theology. But, um, you know, he what died with his arms open. It's an open invitation. Come, come and. You know, quite honestly, John 3, you know, we all know 316 and 17, you know, God didn't send his son to condemn the world, but that through him he might be saved. In verse 18, he says, 
I'm so, sorry, I've tried to mute this thing. Yeah, no worries. He says, I'll keep preaching. He says, this is the verdict, that light has come into the world, but men love darkness and don't want to come into the light and fear their evil deeds being exposed. So it really is the challenge of, you know, loving their sin more than the Savior. And, um, but, you know, he's, if they just, that's what we call the channel overcomers, uh, because by the blood of the Lamb, they overcame the evil one by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. We all have a story. It's whether we have the blood of the lamb or not that's uh, entering into the story, right? Well, that's absolutely right. As a matter of fact, people will say to me, you know, uh, I had a, a teacher that was teaching a women's ministry that we have, and she came to me and she said, we have a problem. There was a woman out there was a specific sin, and, and our teacher told her that she was going to go to hell because of the sin. And I said, well, I understand where you're coming from, but that's absolutely wrong. It's not that particular sin that she's going to find herself in hell. The same thing that causes everybody to go to hell is the same problem, and that's unbelief. Right. It's not the individual sin. We all have our own pet sins. Right. We all have those things that we are have a proclivity to. That in and of itself is not it. Right. But when we fail to accept Jesus Christ's gracious invitation, as you pointed out, that's what causes us yeah. to be eternally damned. Right. And the word that repentance actually means a change. When they were talking, he's talking to the Pharisees. They had a decent walk. They were keeping the rules. They missed him as Messiah. But he says, repent, change your heart, change your mind on who you think I am. Unless you believe I'm he, you're going to die in your sins. Once you believe he's he, then your behaviors and everything else starts changing. But your belief system is the foundation you sit on. What you do and don't do is based on who you really believe God is, his ability to help and change. It's a heart transplant. It's an inside job, right? So talk about the gospel, evangelism. I'm sure you get people from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of religions. Some haven't heard it. Some heard it before, but the light bulb hasn't come on yet. Talk about that. No, that's, that's absolutely true. So many times we think that we are, if we just get better, if we just work harder, if we just stop this one particular thing that we're doing, we're going to be okay. And that has always been the problem with a righteous or a works righteous type of attitude. And so when our guys come to us, we try to teach them that that is not it. You are saved by grace through faith and this not of yourself. It's a gift of God lest any man should boast. But we say those things, but we don't always practice those things. You know, as you know, Pastor, there is that difference between orthodoxy and orthopraxy. We can have the right orthodoxy and fail to do that practice of that very same orthodoxy. And so with all people, it's the same problem you need to understand that the heart needs to be changed. You need to not have that heart of stone. And if God doesn't do that, you can't reform your life. You can try and you can make a pretty good show of it, but inside you will be unchanged. Amen. And uh, that's, that's, that's the regeneration of the spirit, right? Your body, soul, and spirit. I love 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and that your whole body, soul, and spirit be found blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will also do it. 
So that, I mean, all of it. And sometimes even in the church, you and I are pastors. We think a verse for everything, but the body and the soul where our hearts and our emotions are and our spirit, that's a three-legged tripod. One of them's broken. It's going to fall over. So you talk about urgent needs, physical needs, talk about the importance of diet, sleep, a good schedule. That's all under discipleship, right? Taking care of the body and your soul, your emotional health. It's a holistic ministry. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it, it really is true. You know, we've set up even here, we have an amazing uh, workout area that we got somebody else to pay for <laughs> uh, under a grant. But to your point about being a holistic thing, to being a whole mind, body, soul, and spirit, or mind, body, and spirit, is really true. First of all, when these guys uh, are coming off of drugs and alcohol, even if it's a matter of depression, one of the things that we like to do is get them exercising. I have an aftercare specialist who works with the guys the last few months of their program here, try to help them get jobs and and fill out resumes, that kind of thing. But he also is a fitness instructor. So that's one little leg of it. And then, of course, yeah. the other part of those things is nutrition. They need to eat well, stop doing all the uh, junk stuff that they always have. And we have an amazing cook here. And we've been so blessed to get all kinds of uh, donations of very good food from organizations. And then, of course, the most important part is that spiritual leg that you talked about. You, you can't progress if you don't grow in Christ. And so I tell the guys, it's, you know, salvation is monergistic. That's God's hand on everything. And sanctification, as you walk through there, is a synergistic movement of us agreeing with God about our situation and having him as we work to grow. There's where your works come in but they are not salvatic in nature. And so when you combine all those things, you, you are looking at the whole picture. And that's why after these guys graduate from our program, we just don't leave them out to the wolves. We're trying to get them places to live, trying to help them. We even have a, a house called Redemption House mm -hmm. where we have one of our chaplains who lives there. And some of these men make a transition from uh, the mission to the redemption house and then to their own places amen well i just got to tell you you're doing a really good job because melissa here i texted her that while we were on and um under the lindell recovery network we were talking and uh, i told you at the beginning the hope report um so she just she just chimed in do you want to come on the hope report tomorrow at 11 30 central time which is 12 30 your time her and Jason uh, run the Hope Report, and they just love to talk about addiction and the hope that we find in Jesus and being a pastor. Um, a little bit about the show, and um, Jason Perry is her co-host. He was a 16-year um, uh, Navy SEAL and four years Boston SWAT, and then his brother overdosed from heroin, so he left the war on the world and went and joined the war on uh drugs and now he's a pastor in tennessee and melissa's in in uh minnesota uh you know working with mike lindell and you know he's he has a real heart for addiction recovery so um you know recovery across the board right i mean isaiah says you know i'll mount them up on wings like eagles soar way up there it's not just about 
I used to think recovery was like par, you know, like a par three or a par four, you know, yeah. you know God's like hole in one, hole in two. <laughs> yeah. Above par. That's abundant life stuff. So anyway, um, so anyway, yeah, she just text, she just messaged and I texted her that we're on now. We love the work of the Union Gospel Mission. So she's going to work on making sure you guys are listed under all those options for places people to go and support that are doing this kind of work. So, but, um, and that's why we do the show because we really want to raise awareness of the work that people are doing so people can get involved. So obviously financial support is important. Um, prayer support, your pastor. I think people still underestimate the power of prayer. Do you want to, what do you want to mm-hmm. talk about first? Yeah, I mean, I've told many churches that I've spoken at, if you can only give us money, only give us clothing, or only pray for us, then truthfully, only pray for us. I think that people, especially in our day and time, sometimes give lip service to prayer, like, oh, yeah, well, as a last resort, I'm going to pray. No, as a first resort, we need to pray. And all things will follow after that. When I got here, Things were a little financially shaky, and we started praying. I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough to turn a ship around that's having a problem. But God is uh, big enough for those things. And if you have a God that isn't big enough to do those things, then maybe you need a different God. Uh, But we understand, too, that it's not a health and wealth thing. I mean, it is not a matter of if I do A, B, and C, God's going to do this. But one thing God does require us to be faithful. And I believe we try all the time to be faithful. Uh, We get accused of a lot of different things. You know, you Christians are haters. I tell them, look, you know, if if a a Hindu, a Muslim, a Satan worshiper, a guy that just flat hates everything we do comes and needs food, clothing, housing, we're still going to do those things. You can even come on the program, but you're going to hear about Jesus every single day, and you're not going to be allowed to talk about those other things. So I wonder where the hate is. I mean, we're going to help everybody we can. Yeah. Amen. And, you know, even the night before the cross, um, and as a pastor, you know, I, I sometimes think we get too quick with John 14, 6, when somebody's in unbelief. We're like, well, Jesus said nobody comes to the Father except through me. Uh, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and life. He waited three and a half years, and these guys saw everything. This was the night before he went to the cross, before he bottom lined it to him. You know, right. they've seen and heard every sermon he gave probably multiple times. Yeah. Know? And, uh, you know, that's super theology. And it will show us the Father. He's like, You've been with me this long. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, it just went over a lot of people's head that they're, you know, he looked like a man, and here he is claiming to be God. I would have probably had to struggle with that too. And, you know, even when he asked Peter, who do they say I am? Oh, they think you're John the Baptist. They think you're Elijah. And who do you say I am? He says, you're the, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. He says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you, but my father in heaven revealed that to you. So we got to be a little patient <laughs> for people to get their head around the fullness of Christ. The fullness of God was in Christ, you know, and you know, we, we get that as theologians. We see it in the scriptures. There's some verses in Colossians. But it's not a theology test either. You know, it's it's a by faith test. And faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. We're hearing testimonies. We're hearing God's stories. And if God did it for him, God can do it for me. That's all you need to know right now. Well, and that's true. I mean, you know, Peter, 
uttered, and that's why I love Peter. He uttered these great things. He was so right on, and then he would usually follow them up by something really stupid, and Jesus would admonish him for it, right? Well, I do that too. You know, I you get these revelations of things, and then you do and you say something that isn't so great, isn't so smart. But the reality is that people need to, as you put it, need to see beyond what your eyes can see with spiritual eyes. Right. You know, I mean, it was the same, the 5,000, which really translated to more like 25,000 when right. you count everybody. Right. They came not to really to hear Jesus, but for what he could do for them. Right. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to understand that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was for us, but then we need to turn around and serve others the way that Christ served us. And that's one of the things that the mission and other places like that do, is we need to look out and serve them. Just so you know, we just spent $567,000 on the old building, not just to give it a facelift, but to give it a total rehab. And we've got two more sections of the old building to go. Why? Because we want them to understand, our program guys and the people from the street, that God loves them just as much as he loves us in the new building. Amen. So I didn't want some old hand-me-down building for them, and we'll just sit over here in the new building. Right. So everything we do needs to point to the love of Christ, right? Amen. That's good stuff. That's awesome. Well, we have a couple minutes left, and I want to make sure we have time to close in prayer. A um, couple questions I usually ask is, hey, why do you do what you do? And, um, and obviously at the beginning you said God's in it. Um, and we have our, our television series answering the call and that's like the number one uh, answer we have under our that's why we do documentaries on different ministries because uh, either you answered the call or you're running the wrong way like Jonah did in the yeah. first chapter but um, why do you do what you do and and uh, is there anything else the Lord put on your heart to share with us today I do what I do because I realize that I really deserve nothing what I deserved was hell, and I mean that. I, I, I understand that. God was so gracious as to give me that call, to choose me, to draw me. And so the other part of that is when God called me into the ministry, he gave me a burden in my heart to preach the word of God to other people. I don't know how effective I've been at preaching, but I know one thing that this mission reaches out to the principles of God. And by the way, we don't compromise, ever. I tell our people, hey, the bottom line comes down to that it's both easy and hard because as the world comes against us, that's hard. But the answer that we have to give consistently is easy. We don't have a choice. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Savior. He is King. And there is nothing that we will do to compromise that regardless of what happens. Amen. That's awesome. Good stuff. Well, if you could, I'm going to zoom in for this. I'm going to ask you to lead us in prayer and I'll close if you're good with that. Yeah. Great. Gracious, holy, heavenly Father, as we come before you, throne of grace, I thank you for this moment in time. I thank you that, that we have come together. I thank you for Pastor Chuck and I thank you for all that he does. And so, Father God, as we come before you, I just ask the hearts be open and softened that, Father God, they hear your call, that they respond, 
And I ask, Father God, that you use this network to reach people who do not know you as Lord and Savior. And I ask all this in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 I too thank you for Pastor Tim and the board of directors and many volunteers. Those have donated in-kind gifts like food, clothing, um, bed sheets, pillows. We do pray, Father, for increase. We know with this new renovation and the new facilities, there's just a big burden. You're the source. And we're asking you to raise up more partners. People like Isaiah said when he raised his hand, here I am, Lord, send me. With our time, our treasure, our talents, you give us every breath in our lungs. We want to use it for what you want us to do. Direct our steps. And again, we just pray for increased partnerships because uh, we know the harvest is ripe and the labor is a few. So we're praying to the Lord of the harvest to raise them up. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Awesome. That's good stuff. Well, you stay put for a couple seconds. And I uh, just want to encourage our viewers. Thanks again for watching another interview on Overcomers TV Live. And until our next one, may you and your families be blessed. Thanks, Tim. Tune in to Overcomers TV on your favorite app or streaming platform. It's time to overcome. In 1953, Jack Drake set up a borrowed tent on donated land just east of the Navajo Nation. There, Four Corners Home for Children was born. Since then, over 2,000 children have passed through our doors and there's always room for more. Our House of Hope offers shelter to children in crisis. The House of Faith is a long-term home where children can grow and thrive. Our House of Grace provides life skills training to older teenagers as they work toward independence. The Four Corners Academy for Excellence provides educational opportunities in an environment conducive to learning. Navajo Nation Outreach provides for the needs of the Navajo people. Addiction recovery, food distribution, providing Bibles in the Navajo language, Four Corners Home for Children, serving in Navajo land since 1953, a place for children to call home.